0: Yo, yo, yo. What is going on, everybody? We are back with another episode of the amazing, the great, the best sports podcast in the world, in this competing. I'm your host, William Pill. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are here with episode 13, okay? OBJ number. We're getting really up there. We're getting high, honestly. A lot higher than I thought I would. I, there's been a lot of times where I wanted to quit or I wanted to stop, but I was like, you know, man, like people genuinely enjoy these. I got like I got to get these out. And so I'm glad you guys enjoy them. I, I enjoy making them. I love talking to you guys. And um, honestly, I'm starting to find, uh, um, I might need a major change. You know, who knows? I might I might need to get into uh, communication, get into broadcasting. Who knows? But um, that's a very far-fetched thing. Um, obviously, like you guys know, as of recently, I love to start every episode with a little bit of motivation. Obviously, um, September is Suicide Prevention Month. Uh I have lost somebody close to me to suicide. So look, whatever you're going through, it's tough. Everything in life is tough. Uh anything good in life is not going to come easy, and anything that comes easy is not going to be good and worthwhile. It's one thing that I have learned in my time on this world, and it's one thing that I genuinely do live by and I try and tell it to everybody that I I meet and I talk to and no matter what you're going through, it's like, look, if It's not going to be easy, okay? But once you do it or once you complete it, you, you know, whatever goal you're trying to get or whatever you're trying to accomplish, once you do it, it's so worthwhile and it's so rewarding. It feels amazing, okay? Like there's no better feeling. So look, I'm just telling you guys, if you're going through something, talk to somebody righty, things are tough. The world is a scary place. The world is a difficult place. You know, whether it's school, uh, your social life, whatever it may be, there's a lot going on. And at the end of the day, you just you you just need somebody to talk to. And if you need somebody to talk to, man, hit my line. righty. Most of you have my number. If you don't, you know, you can DM us on endless.competing or you guys can DM me on my socials, like whatever it may be. Um I, like I'm telling you, like you will always have somebody. You just got to reach out. Okay. Now you like, you know, if you DM LeBron, I can't promise LeBron's going to respond or something like that, you know, messy, maybe not. Um, but literally like, and like, even if you don't have family or parents that you don't feel like you can open up to, there's always somebody that's going to be there. Even if it's a complete stranger. Okay. Some of you may not even know me like as a person, I'm sure. Most of you do. But if you don't, I'm telling you, like just DM me, even if I don't know you. Like, I'm still going to help you because I don't want people to go through what I have gone through in my life. Okay. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of motivation. Look, a lot of things going on. If you need somebody, just open up, just be honest. It's all good. We let you know talking about your feelings and your problems is how you, you know, you break through those barriers and how you take the next step in life rather than just not taking another step at all, you know? So that's your motivation for the day. Okay. Suicide prevention. Remember, listen to your friends because your friends could be giving off hints. Uh, make sure you guys do call the hotline if you have any genuine problems. I don't remember the hotline off the top of my head. Okay, well, let's get to the episode. righty, right, let's get into the episode. A lot of good stuff this weekend, okay, baby, college football. Oh, I'm loving it. I am so happy it is back. Okay, obviously, you guys know from Louisiana, I do go to UL, and I love UL for its academics. Sports-wise, though, LSU Tigers, to the day I die, to the day I go in the ground or get burned, whatever it may be, LSU sports fan for life, okay? The only time I will root for UL is if they, like, are are doing good. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Okay, the the UL sports that I will root for is I'll root for their basketball because their basketball is actually not that bad uh, and their softball team. And their baseball team, the baseball team, because I know the head coach, but uh, for the most part, I, I would love for the UL football team to do something because obviously I have friends on the team, but like at the end of the day, you know, like I'd rather LSU. Like if I had to pick between the two, I'm picking LSU and uh, Landon, if you're listening, I apologize, but like, let's 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 just be real right now. All right, bro. Let's just be real. Okay. So yeah, obviously you guys know I'm a big LSU fan. Um, LSU did play on Sunday, and we are going to talk about that game. the game. Our first game we're gonna talk about, though, is the Colorado Buffaloes, baby. Oh my goodness. Eon freaking Sanders, dude. Primetime showed up and showed out in prime time. Okay. Uh obviously everybody has seen it. You know, everybody's seen what had happened. I'm going to give you the full breakdown, okay, because I'm supposed to deliver you the information, but I'm going to deliver it to you, and you're going to think about it differently. That's my goal of this podcast. I want to deliver information to you guys, but I don't want you guys to just look at it one-sided. I want you guys to look at it another way, and so that way you get different points of views. And that's the whole point of a podcast is to give you different perspectives, different points of views, so that way you have a better understanding of the game and whatever information I am presenting. All righty? So first off, TCU was ranked number 17 going into the game. Now that they have lost to Colorado, and first off, Colorado's win projection was two and a half. So they weren't, they they were supposed to get like two, three wins. They already got one win in the first game. And this was like their harder game. Like I think it was, I think it was a top three difficulty game as far as their schedule goes. Um and they ended up winning 45 42. Very close game, very good game. Okay. Um, obviously going into the half, Colorado was up 17 14. Okay, and then uh, in the second half, the both teams were just trading blows back and forth. Uh, Colorado scored 14 in the third and, and in the fourth, and TCU scored 14 in the third and 14 in the fourth, and Colorado just ended up getting away with the dub. But Shador Sanders really just raised his draft stock tremendously. I mean tremendously, okay? Obviously, the guy does go for 38 for 47 with 510 yards and four touchdowns. With a 90.6 QBR. Now, you may be thinking, that's really good percentage. And he threw an interception. Why is his QBR so low? His QBR is so low because his average uh, per completion was low. Um, Chitter Sanders, obviously, he played a great game. I'm not trying to take away from that at all. I'm not taking away from that at all. He played a hell of a game. He played a really good game. Now, granted, a lot of the yards came from Yak. OK, and what that means is yards after the catch. Once he throws the ball, his receivers or his running back, whatever it was, would catch it. OK, they would catch it and like they would get upfield and like get a bunch of extra yards. You know, so he throw it like three yards down the field and then boom, like they would just take off and they'd get a bunch of yards. So, it, you know, you can't really I you can't really base. Now look, obviously he did have some bombs. You have to have some bombs if you're going to have 510 yards. Like he had some deep throws, but he also had some deep throws that he didn't connect on. Okay, he obviously had two deep balls of Travis Hunter that he couldn't connect on, and the one that was like in the end zone was kinda his fault. But it was it was tough. Travis Hunter had like half a step on the DB, and a lot of times in the NFL, if you have half a step, you shouldn't be able to get the ball. Um, that's just difficult for a quarterback and college quarterbacks especially. Uh, and Travis Hunter isn't really the biggest dude in the world, so he doesn't have the longest arm, is basically what I'm saying. His wingspan is not that great, so he did not have the longest arms to be able to reach out and grab the ball. Uh, Travis Hunter did make a diving play on it and just, like, barely didn't get it. Uh, I, I think it, like, crazed his hands, maybe. Um, so I, I was kind of like, eh, it, it was it was tough. It was a tough catch, but, uh, that was one that he missed on that I was like, dang, man, really should capitalize on that. But, you know, it it, it was a good play at the end of the day. You know, it, it was a great play. Um. Obviously, Shadur Sanders is a uh, top five QB prospect this year. Um, Number one of them being the the number one QB prospect is Caleb Williams, of course. And the number two is Drake May, which for some of you may be rather surprising. But I'm telling y'all, Drake May is a stud. Okay, if you guys didn't watch him against South Carolina, my guy went off. He did really, really well. Um, Genuinely, no complaints. I thought he balled out. Okay, uh, the last time we saw a North Carolina quarterback play like that was um, Mitch Trubisky. There we go. See, I, I thought it was going to be, I, for some reason, I want to say Mitchell Robinson. And I was like, wait, that's a center for the Knicks. No, Mitch Trubisky. Um, <clears throat> and uh, like like I said, Shadur Sanders is up there. He's a top five QB prospect. Uh, number three, I'd probably say is Quinn viewers. But, 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 if Shadur Sanders keeps showing out, he's going to do really well. And look, you guys may be thinking like, okay, he can still run as well. Yes, he can run as well. Um, Now granted his rushing stats, he had five carries for negative 32 yards, but uh, they do count um, sacks in, uh, in college football as part of your rushing stats, which I think is so, so stupid. I don't like that. They don't do that in the NFL, but in college, for some reason they do that. So if you get sacked for like an eight yard loss, they they count it as like negative five, 8 negative 8 rushing yards and i think that's something that really needs to be addressed and needs to be talked about because i i do not like that rule at all um and so, yeah, like I said, Chedric Sanders had 510 yards, four touchdowns, uh, but his QBR is so low because it was at 90.6 because a lot of his throws were just short throws, dump-offs, and then his uh, receivers just being athletic and just making plays. Um, so that that's kind of what uh, played into it. And like I said, he did have uh, throws that were like 20-plus yards down the field, uh, but he didn't have many of them. I, I would say like maybe five. He, he didn't have a lot of them, but I'm not taking away at all. I think Colorado did a great job. I think – Chajur Sanders did a great job. I think Travis Hunter did a great job. Deion did a great job game planning. I am not taking away from Colorado's win at all. I am just saying that teams are going to look at this film. They're going to be like, okay, this is what they're going to do. Let's run some hard flats. You know, Let's man up and play the inside so that way they can't run shallow routes and they can't dump the ball off. Or if they do, they only get two, three yards. So they've got to add a little bit of game to that. But, I I mean, this receiving core is more than capable of doing that. Dylan Edwards, who is the unspoken one, okay, the unspoken receiver for the Colorado Buffaloes. Obviously, he is a transfer. He did, uh, he, he, and he's just a freshman, okay? Oh, he's not, he's not even a transfer. I'm sorry. He's not even a transfer. He's a freshman. They had recruited him. He, um, he did have, he had, gosh, my goodness, this guy went crazy. Uh, he had six, no, wait. Wait, wrong guy. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What are we talking about? What are we talking about oh, here? Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. So, Glenn Edwards, first off, is a running back for the team, a running back. And he led the team in receiving yards and touchdowns, okay? Now, granted, a lot of those receiving yards—I think about like 40 of them or so—were from uh, he ran a shallow route and then Shador Sanders threw it to him, and he just cut up field and you know scored a touchdown on that. That gave him a lot of his yards. He had five catches for 135 yards and three touchdowns. And obviously, one of his long catches uh, was 75 yards. So a lot of his yards came from one play. Uh, But huge, huge, huge play from the guy. I'm not, not like I said, I'm not trying to take away from that. Travis Hunter was the next one. 11 catches, 119 yards. Um, Xavier Weaver, a six catches, 118, Jimmy Horn, 11 catches, 117. And like I said, you guys are hearing this. Like I said, Shadur Sanders had some bombs. Okay. He had some deep plays, uh, like Travis Hunter's long was 43. Xavier's was 44. Jimmy Horn's was just 26. Uh, but he also had some short routes. Uh, which is why Travis Hunter had 11 catches and only 119 yards and why Jimmy Horn had 11 catches and only 117 because some of them were just short routes to just get the first down or get a couple extra yards, you know, and set, set it up, set them up for something else. Um, I think they could incorporate a little more read option because Shador Sanders is a very, very athletic quarterback. You definitely need to add that to your game, but I'm sure Deion Sanders already working on that. I probably shouldn't even be talking about it. All right. Uh, oh. So, honestly, huge, huge game from the Buffaloes. Uh, Defense looked really great as well, except for the D-line. Okay, D-line did not look good. All righty. But before I talk about the D-line and criticize them, Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter played over 120 snaps or somewhere around that, but I think it was more. But he played over 120 snaps at both corner and wide receiver. And he ended up finishing with one one interception, like I said, his 11 catches, 119 yards. And that is not something that people just do. Okay. If you guys have seen the uh, post game interview, they were talking to the TCU head coach and they were like, hey, like, how do you prepare for somebody like Chris Hunter? You know, somebody who plays with wide receiver and cornerback. Like, do you just uh, hope that he gets tired out? Like, what do you do? And he was like, honestly, we didn't think much of it. He was like, we didn't think that they were going to play him at both positions, but we did prepare for it in case. And he was like, and it's just disappointing. You know, he, he he criticized his own team. He goes, a lot of our guys, okay, a lot of our guys only play one side of the ball. He said all of our guys, really. And he was like, and come to the fourth quarter, they're starting to cramp up, and they're, like, too tired to play another snap. And he's just like, are you kidding me? Like, Travis Hunter has literally played the entire game except for special teams, and you're telling me you can't do just your position? It's disappointing, and uh he was like, "That's something that we got to fix for sure, uh, or else it's gonna be a long, long season." And I was like, "Wow!" So first off, bro, glazed Travis Hunter. already. is all upon him, and he's like, "Oh yeah, Travis Hunter is Travis Hunter that like just absolutely gaslighting him." with Travis Hunter is a stud. You're wrong, but still, like, oh, you you knocking your own team? Like chill out. You gonna make the players mad? And um, he was just like, our guys couldn't even finish the game, and I was like. Dang that! I got lie. If I was a TCU player, I'd be like, "Man, coach, what the hell?" But like, what Travis Hunter did, like I said, is not normal. But I mean, the guy is not normal. Okay, if you guys saw that pick, he is not normal at all. My guy is a stud. Alrighty, and uh, I, I mean he he's gonna be a problem. And I think he, if he keeps up what he's doing, he could be up for Heisman because to be honest, uh, it's kind of like Shohei and MVP. Okay, Shohei, it, it's like I like I like to say this. I'm going to say this now because especially if it stays this way. Travis Hunter is the Shohei of football, okay? Travis Hunter does a cornerback's job and a wide receiver's job. And like doing that in high school isn't really the biggest deal in the world because obviously high school competition is not as deep as college competition. Doing it at HBCU was chill too because obviously the comp is not as is not as bad not as bad go play TCU they're like no way he can keep up this kind of production he keeps up that kind of production like what what how how do you do that okay like I'm I'm mad that I can't do that okay but Travis Hunter a complete stud and like I said he's a two-way player he's the show hate basically because this guy is I would say he's better at corner so I'm gonna say corner is show hate hitter who hits bombs Great plays. can be there for his team. Makes picks. Has huge, huge deflections. Okay? And then there's a pitcher, Shohei, which is receiving Travis Hunter, which is still a huge, huge threat. One of the best. Okay? Obviously, I don't think it's as good as the hitter or the corner, but still a huge threat. And I think it's something that teams are going to have to game plan for. But how do you even game plan that? You know? How do you – because he has 11 catches. He took over 120 snaps. How do you not get tired from that? You know, as a coach, now you have to prepare for their best player playing both ways. You know, and you can't just bank on him getting tired because obviously he didn't in this game, and that was some crazy heat that they were playing, and that was that Texas heat. That is no joke. So I can only imagine what's going through his head and what kind of uh, of treatment is he getting because – no cab that treatment treatment got to be rough for him. But yes, Travis Hunter is a stud and in his Instagram post, obviously you guys saw, he said Heisman loading and honestly, he could be up for Heisman if he keeps up this kind of production. He just has to get a few more touchdowns. He didn't have a touchdown in this game at all, but he'll get in the end zone at some point. Uh, and his schedule is like hard, but it's not too hard. Now with Colorado beating TCU, I don't think they'll get into the top 25 yet. Um, I think they play Oregon in like two or three weeks, Uh, and if they beat Oregon, I think they could get in. Maybe if they win their next two games uh, decently, I think they'll be able to get in to the top 25, which would be huge because the team literally didn't have a single win yesterday, and you just beat a top 25 opponent. That is That's no small feat. That is no joke. That is insane. Okay, now back to the Colorado D-line like I was talking about. If you guys saw... TCU was running over them, okay? They're starting running back at 14 carries for 164 yards, okay? Now, granted, 74 of those yards did come from one single play, but still, I mean, I'm telling you that D-line had no answer for them, okay? They, they weren't filling their gaps right. They were just getting absolutely mauled, if you ask me. And for some reason, TCU wanted to throw the ball 42 times, and honestly, that's what lost in the game. The other thing I lost in the game was I have no problem with you rotating receivers. Uh, obviously, my, Jack Bet, my guy Jack Betts got to play. I have no problem with you rotating receivers in. Absolutely. Go ahead. But you, it, it's hard for a quarterback to develop that kind of chemistry if you do that. Obviously, his two favorite targets were Jared Wiley J.P. Richardson. But I'm going to just go by the, done the line. I'm not going to say their names. I'm just going to give you the stats uh, on how many receptions each receiver had. Six receptions, six. Two, two, one, one, two, one, one, two. Now, look, I've never played quarterback before, but I know having that chemistry with one or two guys is a little difficult. Now, imagine trying to have it with, what, 10 different guys? It's not going to be as good. It's not going to be there, okay? The ball's not going to get placed as good of positions, and they're not going to be able to make uh, create enough yak to really do something. And so I think that's something that they need to address. And like I said, I have no problem with rotating guys in. I love to see everybody get a chance to shine. But at the end of the day, you are there to win games. And doing what you're doing by subbing in so many guys, you're not going to win games like that. Okay? Obviously, your guys are going to be rested and whatnot. But it's hard for your quarterback to develop a connection with all of them. So that way, your passers are crisp. All Shador Sanders passes. Were solid. They were great. Now, granted, George Sanders is a better quarterback than Chandler Morris, but he has that chemistry with Travis Hunter. He has the chemistry with Jimmy Horn. I'm just telling you, and Xavier Weaver as well, who were his favorite receivers. He has that chemistry with them. So the passes were there. They knew where to get the ball. Obviously, he missed Travis Hunter on a couple of them, but like that, that's normal. Okay, and it just it just takes time. But if you are subbing in what, 10 different receivers, like I said, it, it's hard to have that chemistry to where you can d- d- throw accurate passes because you don't know how all of them uh, – because there are a lot of factors that go into it as far as the chemistry. Uh, the speed, their wingspan, their catching ability, their size. Okay, because if you're a bigger receiver, you can put the ball in a little more competitive spot as a quarterback and just be like, okay, yeah, just be big and get in front of them. You know, attack the ball. And so I honestly was just a, just went in TCU's game plan. I didn't like it at all, but Colorado absolutely performed everything to perfection. I cannot wait to see them play next week. Next week um they are going to take on two, 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 wait, it's right here. They are going to take on Nebraska, which should be a decent challenge, but it shouldn't be the hardest challenge in the world. I think they'll be all right with that one. But like I said, uh, in week 4 they are going to play Oregon and then week 5 they got to play USC. So if they beat Nebraska and Colorado State, which are the next two games, respectively, uh, I think they could get in the top 25, play Oregon. Oregon would probably be a top 12 team by then if they keep up uh, that crazy audience. Uh, but we'll just have to see. Honestly, super impressed with Dion. super impressed with the team. They look great. Okay, no complaints at all. It looked beautiful. I loved it. it. It was honestly my favorite part of college football weekend, if I'm being honest. Now the beloved Longhorns. The beloved Longhorns. I'm not crazy about the Longhorns personally. I never liked them. And yeah, I still don't like them. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think the only time I do like them is whenever they play Oklahoma. I I I despise Oklahoma. So that's about the only time that I'm really uh rooting for them, I guess you could say. Uh they ended up they played rice. They ended up winning 37 10. That first half was very, very rocky, scared the hell out of me uh as somebody who had money on Texas. Um they ended up they they the first quarter They were only up seven to three. I was like, "Bro, how are you having problems with rice?" Their mascot is literally owl. What what does an owl do? It's like, how are you having problems? And then they ended the first half up sixteen to three. And I was like, "Okay, what is this? Like, what what is this game right now?" But in the third quarter, they uh, Texas scored twenty one unanswered, and um, yeah, they ended up running away with the game at that point. Basically, you know, once they got that, they were pretty pretty much done um Ewers played really really good uh once they got the big lead they did throw Malik Murphy in who if you guys if you guys don't know who Malik Murphy is that guy is a freaking unit first off he's a freshman he's a redshirt freshman but he's a freshman um 65 238 Let, look just go look him up that is a huge huge man now, don't get me wrong. A lot of Texas quarterbacks are bigger. You know, like, they're they a good size. Malik Murphy is just, in my honest opinion, he's like a baby Anthony Richardson. And, like, not, like, baby, baby, but, like, little baby. You know, like, he is a stud. He is a unit, and he is somebody who they need to recognize. And he very well could be the starter next year. I know Arch Manning is there and whatnot, and they might start Arch just because of the hype and everything. But Malik Murphy should not be slept on because that guy is a stud. Um but like I said obviously he did get some reps in the game. He went through for 5 or 40 yards. Quinn Ewers did Quinn Ewers did lead the charge with 19 for 30, 263 touchdowns. And their game looked really really good. Um their run game obviously wasn't as explosive. I mean last year they had Bijan, so it's not like you needed um a great blocking game or great playmaking cuz Bijan was just a stud. So They definitely need to uh, run the ball a little bit better. But honestly, not that bad. Not that bad as far as their run game goes. I thought it did uh, open up the passing game for sure, which is, honestly, that's what you want a run game to do. Nowadays, it's passing. It's a a pass-first league just about everywhere, you know, except for in high school if they do wing T and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it is a pass-first league. And the run game is there to take pressure off of the pass game. Because if you can run the ball well, teams have to respect it and maybe have a couple more people in the box, opens your receivers up, maybe get more one-on-one opportunities, and then just like that, you're beating them up with your passing game. And then they start having more DBs on the field, so then you go back to the run game. And it's just that never-ending cycle. Of Back and forth. And so that way, you know, your run game opens up the pass game. Pass game opens up the run game. And each one works coinciding with each other. They're just constantly helping each other. You know, you can't have a good one without a good one on the other. Um, I mean, even KC is a huge uh, perception of that. You know, you're like, obviously, like, they can pass the ball. Like, let's have more DBs on the field. Okay, throw Pacheco in, run a stretch play, dude gets 12 yards. All right, coach, what do we do now? Uh, Let's do the same thing. Okay, they do the same thing. They're just going to run it again. You know, Patrick Mahomes can see that defense, and he knows that. Or even Andy Reid. Even some of these coaches can, in college football can see that, and they're like, I already bet. Like, then we'll just run the ball until you get out of it. And then once you do and the pass is favored, then I'll throw the ball. Okay? And so, that that, that honestly, that's what the running game is there for. The running game is to open up the pass game. pass game is there to f- help the run game. Like I said, you can't have uh, a great one without a good one of the other one. So don't remember, don't forget that. I'm telling you, that that's some good advice. Y'all, y'all, need, y'all need to realize that. That's some good advice. Xavier Worthy led, did lead the charge for the Texas Longhorns with seven catches for 90 yards. He was Quinn uh, Ewer's favorite target, and he played really well. No touchdowns, of course, um, but he looked good. The Rice right- Owls, I'm not even going to talk about them. They're irrelevant, honestly. Uh but the, like I said, those, those struggles the, in, in the early half, it did scare me a little bit because I was like, ooh, okay. Um, the long runs did have two interceptions on Rice's quarterback, uh, Mr. JT Daniels, who JT Daniels obviously did start in USC a couple years back. Transferred to West Virginia last year, transferred from West Virginia to Rice uh, this year, and that's where he is now. Will he be drafted? Maybe. I don't think he'll be drafted. I think he'll be an undrafted uh, rookie, but I think he'll get a chance somewhere. Not as actually sure where though. Um, but yeah, the the those uh you you the reason why I'm on the Texas Longhorns, uh not because I don't like them or anything like that, but because they played Bama next weekend. They play Bama next weekend, and if they played in the first half, like they played against Rice, if they do that against Bama, they're going to get smoshed. They're going to get smashed, they're going to get run over, they're going to get absolutely tortured. Bama is not somebody that you can take lightly, that you can play with. No, you need to get the job over as fast as possible, as quickly as possible. And as I guess you could say, no, swiftly is fast, but at the end of the day, you just need to destroy them. Okay. And you need to crush their spirits and you need to not let them up for air. Okay. You need to put your foot on the pedal and do not stop. Do not hit the brakes. Do not stop and collect 200. You know, none of that. Like just keep going through and Texas Longhorns. If they... If they they just need... They they need to not play like that in the first half against them. Okay? And the reason why I'm saying that is because I hate Mama more than I hate Texas. I... I hate Mama so, so much. Hate is a very strong word. I understand that. Well, man, I do not like Swim Tide. I do not like some Tide at all. Both the detergent and the team. I'm allergic to the detergent. That is why I say that. But... Texas Longhorns need to pick it up, especially if they want to get where they think they can be, but they're not going to be in the CFP. I'm telling you right now. I, I, I know that some of the fans are crazy. They're not going to be in the CFP. I hate to tell you. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but they aren't going to be there, brother. All right, did be, my man? <clears throat> Moving on to Ohio State, who was ranked number three in the preseason. Very, very disappointing. I'm not going to lie. Okay, they play the Indiana Hoosiers, who they do have... The last time Indiana beat OSU was 1998, okay? They play Indiana once a year, and the last time Indiana beat them was 1998. Does that tell you something? That means Ohio State is Indiana's father, okay? They put them to bed at night, and they don't give a kiss on the forehead. They just say... Go to bed. All righty? But Indiana made this game interesting. I'm not going to lie. I was watching and I was like, oh, my gosh. Indiana might do this. They entered the first half. OSU was up 10-3. to three, And then the second half, Indiana didn't score a single point. But OSU only scored 13 points in both quarters. Okay? Ohio State has, uh, I mean, I know they have Kyle McCord, but he played terrible. He played terrible. Who like, who is this guy? Alrighty. He's a junior and he, he, he's playing like a nobody. This guy is playing terrible. I don't know what they're going to do as far as the quarterback situation. Obviously they don't have the greatest of quarterbacks um, in that quarterback room, in my opinion, but how McCord really needs to be reassessed. Cause I don't, I don't think he's it. I, I, I don't think he's it at all. um, he went 20 for 33, 239 yards, no touchdowns, and a pick. Had a 78.1 QBR. And the reason why I'm bashing him is because you have the two best receivers in college football. And you can only put up those kind of stats. That is so disappointing. They ran the ball um, about 27-ish times, 25-ish times, something like that. Um, And all in all, they had about 130 yards rushing yards, something like that. And I was just like, bro, are you kidding me? <laughs> are you for real right now? You know, and he, it's not like he had crazy pressure in his face. His O line did great, okay? His O line did great. Indiana didn't, like, they didn't let up a single sack. Indiana didn't even, they probably barely touched the guy, if I'm being completely honest, okay? I mean, that was just, it was just disappointing. Marvin Harrison Jr. was quiet. Emeka Egbico was quiet, but he didn't really throw to them. He threw to Cade Stover and Julian Fleming. I mean, obviously, Cade Stover, he is their starting tight end, but he, he, how are you just going to ignore the two best receivers in this class? Okay, And Julian Fleming is obviously their wide receiver three, but I just don't understand that. I was like, are you kidding me? I don't care what it is. As a coach, I'm just going to run a, a a wide receiver screen for Marvin Harrison and just let him go crazy. Both him and Emeka are absolutely studs. Carnell Tate is a really good player as well. I was just disappointed. I was like, "Bro, where are you serious right now?" Like I said, Indiana kept that really close. Um, do I think Ohio State could drop to number four? Possibly. I don't think it will this early, though. Uh, but if it, if Bama wins against Texas, no matter the score, and uh, Ohio State, if they don't like absolutely demolish, and by demolish I mean like win by like forty plus against Youngstown State. Then they are dropping to number four because um, that I mean, that, that game against Indiana was just disappointing. It was just very underwhelming. And I was very, very unimpressed with it. Um, but, you know, both Texas and Ohio State, I'm just like, Dang, like you are supposed to be studs. But what's up with this? I personally didn't have Ohio State ranked too highly just because I didn't. I know they didn't have a quarterback. I was like, they don't have a quarterback like Justin Fields is gone. CJ Stroud is gone. You have nobody. You know, what are you going to do now? And obviously, working wise they must have gotten the greatest quarterbacks. I think they should have shopped the transfer portal a little bit more than they did. But who knows? I mean, I'm I'm personally not a big fan of uh, the Buckeyes this year. I mean, make your own opinion. But I I don't think they're going to the CFP, which is unfortunate because I love seeing teams other than the SEC get into the CFP. But I don't think they're going to be there. I think they're going to be at home in Cancun or something. Mm. I was, uh next thing I want to talk about is their rival Michigan. The Michigan Wolverines and look. Whew, I know they had a lot of players coming back, but oh my goodness, they look stacked. Obviously they played in East Carolina. East Carolina is not a bad football program. You know, a lot of people don't hear about them. <laughs> I would say the main reason people know about them is from Mr. Beast because obviously he does he does live in that area. Um but man, they, they, they ended up winning the game 30 to 3. And like I said, they, they didn't go crazy. The only time East Carolina scored, though, was in the fourth quarter. It was like a it was a pity field goal. I was like, bro, like why? But, you know, you just want to put something on the board, get the guys a little excited, whatever. Um, J.J. McCarthy looked great 26 for 30, 280 yards, three touchdowns. I mean, my goodness. Blake Corum, 10 carries, 73 yards in the touchdown. His backup, Donovan Edwards, 12 carries, 37 yards. Uh, Receiving wise, Roman Wilson did lead the team with six catches, seventy-eight yards, and three touchdowns. Look, as Michigan team is scary. I'm calling it right now. They're going to beat OSU this year. I know usually OSU beats them, but Michigan is going to beat them. Now, if you guys didn't see, Jim Harbaugh is on like a was it a three or three or four game suspension? Suspension. It was one of the two. I don't remember. But in the pregame. The, all of the players are wearing shirts that say free Harbaugh. And I was like, no, nah, that's crazy. But he literally got all of his team to – he didn't make the shirts because the NCAA obviously does not condone that at all, but a player can do whatever they want to their shirt, and like there won't be really repercussions. So a couple of them, J.J. McCarthy is kind of like the highlight of one, took tape and then wrote free and then put it above Harbaugh on his jersey because he had like Harbaugh 4 or something on his on his shirt, on his warm-up shirt. And he put free above it because it like free Harbaugh from the suspension, like he didn't deserve it. The um, guys don't know he did get suspended for recruiting violations and whatnot, which I didn't think those really existed because of NIL. But I think it was from like a, a previous years before NIL was actually a thing. But like I said, this Michigan team is absolutely terrifying. Do not sleep on them. Do I think they could get to number one? Possibly. I don't think the defense is as good as it could be, but that offense is is, is really, really good. And I think once Jim Harbaugh gets back into his office and back on the field with him, they're going to be even better, even better of a team. Um, oh, man. I I didn't want to talk about this one because I genuinely felt so, so bad. Oregon Ducks absolutely destroyed Portland State 81-7. Look, I'm all for, you know, getting your points. And, like, if you have a chance, you're going to do everything you can to win. But my gosh, that was just, that was terrible. That was crucial. Bo Nicks, obviously leading the charge for the Ducks. He ends up going 23 for 27, 287 yards and three touchdowns, 88.9 QBR. And then Ty Thompson, Austin Novosad took over after he was done with the game, respectively. Rushing wise, um, Bucky Irving did lead the team with four carries for 119 yards. Of course, 56 of those came from one single run. He had two touchdowns as well. Jordan James, 10 carries, 86 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Dante Dowdle, Jaden Limar, both eight carries, one for 55, one for 51, both with touchdowns. I mean, all around looked really, really good. Receiving-wise, Troy Franken led the team, seven catches, 106 yards, two touchdowns. Gary Bryant, Jr., seven catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns. Oregon went crazy offensive wise. I mean, absolutely dumb. And then defensive wise, they also went really, really well. They did force a fumble on Portland State and recover it. And they didn't have any interceptions. They literally just forced a three and out basically every single drive that Portland State went for. Okay. I'm just going to go through it. Look, from the first quarter, from the first quarter to the end, Portland State, three plays punt. Portland State, touchdown. Okay, I'm I'm skipping over Oregon because Oregon scored a touchdown basically every time. Um, Portland State, three plays, punt. Portland State, turnover on downs. Portland State, five plays, punt. Portland State, three 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 plays, punt. punt. You you get what I'm saying. Like, that's how it was. I mean, the defense was just absolutely destroying them. But... The offense nor the defenses was the highlight of this game. The highlight of this game and the Him Award is going to go to the Oregon Duck, the mascot. If you guys don't know Oregon has a tradition, every single time they score, their mascot, who's a duck, I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but what he does is he does a push up for every single point on the board. So, for example, you score a touchdown, an extra point, he does seven, he does seven push ups. And then if you score another touchdown, another extra point, he'll do 14 pushups. and he just added on, added on, added on. And like I said, they scored 81 points. He ended up doing over 540 pushups. I don't remember the exact number. I don't. I don't feel like doing the math. But he ended up doing over 540 pushups. and that's why he's getting the Him Award because I'm not like in a in a span of about three four hours. It, it's a lot of push-ups. I'm not, and and he's in the duck outfit. Okay, so that doesn't help at all. That's extra weight. And it's probably hard to bend your arms as much. I mean, I couldn't even imagine doing that. Absolutely dead. I mean, don't even hit me up today. Today is not chest day. Today is sleep day. Because the Oregon duck went crazy. Okay, huge, huge props. I, I Honestly, the, the coaches at Oregon just don't like him, I guess. They were just like, yeah, well, you know, we don't like you. You know, you're aggravating. And they, you know, they were like, we're going to make you do over 500 pushups. We don't care. And I was just like, dang, that is tough. That is very, very tough. Um, I, If they didn't put up that many points, him award probably would have gone to Travis Hunter. But with that kind of performance, the him award is going to go to a mascot, probably the first and the only time that will happen. But, I mean, I can't, you know, you can't deny it. That I mean that's just ridiculous, you know if you guys have ever done to try and like do push up like that many like a substantial amount, you would understand what I'm saying because that is just not normal. that is ridiculous, okay <laughs> um now, the beloved the sad l s u Tigers placed the Florida State Seminoles last night on Sunday night football, but it was college football so college Sunday night football, however you want to interpret it. They ended up losing 24-45. First half game looked competitive. Okay, first half ended 17-14 to in LSU's favor. Then Florida State scored 10 unanswered. Okay, and so now LSU was down uh, 24-17, but it was still winnable. You know, it was a one-possession game. It was still winnable. Fourth quarter FSU ended up scoring 21, and LSU only scored 7, and so they ended up getting absolutely destroyed. Okay, um, I, I mean... Very, very disappointing. Jaden Daniels, 22 for 37, 347 yards, one touchdown, one interception, 57.6 QBR. That is crazy. Very, very low. Jordan Travis, 23 for 31, 342, four touchdowns, one pick, 94.7 QBR. Jordan Travis looked amazing. Jordan Travis looked like a top three Heisman candidate. He absolutely balled out. Rushing-wise, their quarterback, Jaden Daniels, had 14 carries for 64 yards. And look, I like Jaden Daniels. I do. I like Jaden Daniels. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's going to be a a good QB2 in the league. I don't think it will be a QB1, but I think it will be a decent QB2 in the league. Maybe even a little rushing attack. Maybe a little Tyler Huntley. I don't know. But he would constantly scramble. Now, don't get me wrong. Florida State has a good defensive line. And I know when you feel that pressure, you get nervous and you just scramble. I totally understand that. But you have to have a sense of just staying in the pocket. Okay, and he just didn't. He just didn't want to. He just didn't do it. It just. He just constantly wanted to get out of the pocket and get away from pressure. And once he did, he would step him in the pocket and he'd just take off. Um, Josh Williams, four carries, 44 yards, uh, kind of their lead workhorse, even though they didn't really run the ball much at all. Receiving-wise, Brian Thomas led the team with seven catches, 142 yards, one touchdown. Malik Neighbors, my guy, six catches, 67 yards, no touchdowns. Um, Mason Taylor had a quiet game, four catches, 39 yards. Kyron Lacey, three catches, 37 yards. Honestly, disappointing from, uh, all the receivers, not just LSU receivers. There were a lot, a lot of drops in this game. I have no clue why. I don't know if it was the ball. I don't know if it was their headspace. I have no clue. All I know is that there were a lot of drops uh, Kyron Lacy had one literally hit him square in the chest, go straight to his arms, hit his pads, fall into the ground. And I was like, bro, how do you miss that? Like it wasn't even like a, a, a competitive catch. I was like, dude, how do you miss that? And then Jay Daniels didn't throw the greatest of passes to Malik, uh, or on some checkdowns. Like he, he just threw it over their head and I was like, dude, what are you doing? Like eyes wide open. Um, I mean, it was just disappointing, honestly. Uh, and if you guys watch, I know Malik only, he had six receptions. He probably got the thrown the ball thrown to him like 12, 14 times. And look, I love Malik just as much as the next guy. I played high school football with him. I love him. He's a great guy. Um, but you gotta put the ball in semi like semi-competitive places. Okay. The ball was never within his reach. It was never within his wingspan. Now Malik doesn't have the greatest of wingspans, but he's a the best receiver in the SEC. He's gonna go get the ball. Alrighty. Um, and Jane Daniels just didn't put the ball in good places, and whenever they get down to the goal line, he wouldn't even read it. Okay. He would hike it, look at Malik and just throw it to him. And look, I'm not I've seen firsthand, Malik can get a jump ball. He's an athlete. He can get a jump ball. He's going to win those those one on ones, they're not 50 50. They're 80 20. And Malik is in the 80%. He is going to get that ball. But you have to put the ball in a decent spot to where he can go get it. And that's just that just wasn't happening. And so I was very disappointed in that. Um defensive backwise LSU oh my gosh Deuce Chestnut got absolutely obliterated okay Keon Coleman made him look like his freaking little brother my gosh Keon Coleman led Florida State nine catches under 22 yards three touchdowns two of them were absolute mosses I mean absolute just, just shadowing them okay dude looked crazy um Johnny Wilson seven catches 104 yards that's their other wide receiver who is in my opinion, a uh, Mike Evans. That dude is a stud. He's he's big, but he's he has agility. He's athletic. I'm not going to lie. He looked great. I really wish LSU would have picked him up because that dude looked good. And I mean good, good. He's 6'7", 237 pounds. I don't think 6'7 is going to work in the league, but that is just a huge, huge man. That is a very, very tall man. Like He should be playing basketball, but he looked really good on that football field. Okay? I don't know why they didn't throw more jump balls to him. Most of them went to Keon Coleman, and Keon is 6'4, 215. But Keon just, gosh, made them all look like babies. Oh, he went crazy. Uh, Harold Perkins, honestly, a quiet game. Five total tackles. Two of them were solos, no sacks, no TFLs, but he was double teamed a lot of the game. Um, Jared Verst for Florida State went absolutely dumb. He was a freaking stud. That dude played really, really, really good. Um, they didn't give him credits with like sacks or TFLs, but he, he was just constantly under, he was putting, um, he was putting Jane Daniels under pressure a lot in that game. You know, even though Will Campbell was blocking him, uh, Will he does have a year on Will Campbell, but, and Will Campbell did great most of the game, but there were some times where, you know, Jared, would get the best of him. And that's how it happens as a, as a tackle or offensive lineman. Sometimes it's just going to get the best of you. And like, it just is what it is, you know, like it's okay. It happens. But, um. Yeah, no, Florida State absolutely dominated them. Uh hopefully LSU bounces back. I don't know how. I think losing by twenty one to Florida State, I think they are going to drop back. They might drop out of the top ten, but I think they'll be like anywhere from ten to twelve. I I probably where they'll be. And Florida State probably will jump all the way up to five. Um with that type of performance on that team. So even though six and seven did win, like I said, you won by 21, you're going to get, you're going to take their spot. Okay. That's what, that's what the rankings should look like. And it probably will look like that, but who knows? Um, this is a disappointing start for the Tigers, especially. I thought they were going to have some revenge, but I guess not. I guess they just, you know, sat down and just took it, but it is what it is. All good. But we're going to get, a, we're going to get, uh, we'll get it. We'll get it next year. It's all good. Um, uh, last thing I want to say before I, you know, kind of. Start off the podcast. Um, the FIBA World Cup, obviously USA did lose to Lithuania. I'm sure you guys saw that it wasn't by much. Going into the half, they were down by 17. They ended up losing the game by six. Super, super close game, super good game, in my opinion. I, I watched a little bit of it. It looked really, really good. Um, it was just disappointing to see. But uh, they are still in it. It's not a, um it's not a, like if you lose, you know, you uh like you can't play anymore. It's not that right now because it's still kind of in the group stage. But they played really well. Canada um, did win their game. Canada did win their game against Spain in overtime, and they actually got a bid to the Olympics. So the first team to um, get a bid to the Olympics, which basically means like the Olympics are saying, okay, your country can compete at the Olympics because you, you did so well in the free world cup and it's only a matter of time for the USA gets there, but um, we'll have to see how long that takes. But yeah, no, it, 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 they looked really good. Uh, I have nothing Lithuania, huge, huge soccer, but they've just played really, really well. Um, Brandon Ingram needs to step up. I don't know if you guys have seen the stats. I think some, some people are roasting him online. I can't blame them. Dude has just played like crap. He hasn't scored double digit points in any of the games. Okay. And he's getting good, he's getting good, decent minutes. And I'm just like, dude, like, what are you doing? But, um yeah, I mean, like I said, it's only a matter of time for the USA actually gets their bid and does their job and, you know, gets into the World Cup and goes win a ring. Um, I said the World Cup, the Olympics and go win a ring. But like I said, Canada was my pick to win it all. And Canada's looking pretty, pretty darn good. already. Shea Gildas, Alexander, Dylan Brooks, and um, Lou Dort is kind of leading the charge for that team. But, man, they looked really, really good. Can't complain at all. <clears throat> but, you know, that, that's all I got. Like I said, Lodge college football this weekend. Um, obviously, NFL starts on Thursday. So the podcast Friday, it's going to be a lot of NFL talk because my Chiefs are playing Thursday, and I absolutely cannot, and I cannot wait. But... I will see all of you beautiful faces. Even though I don't really see your faces. I just get your ears. You know, it's kind of weird when you think about it. Um, but yeah, I have been your host, Will Himpo. This has been Endless Competing. Thank you so much for listening to episode 13. And make sure you come back Friday for episode 14. Alrighty. I love all of you. Thank you so much. And remember, never stop competing, my friends. Let's go.